This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's all in the numbers. Welcome in. We are live here on this Thursday as we get set for a big day, getting you ready for a Friday weekend. And of course, a lot of football, but also playoff baseball on the horizon. We'll get to that. Follow us on Twitter at Locked On ATL. Of course, Matt Marksino, M A R K Z I N N O. Make sure you check us out on Roku TV as well. If you've got an Amazon Fire Stick, anywhere you can get. Roku TV, download that app and check out Locked On Sports Atlanta every single day and all the shows here on the Locked On Sports Network. All right, we got a lot to do today. Aaron Freeman, Locked On Falcons, is going to join us as we get set for the Falcons and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, and we'll also check in on Georgia as they get set for Auburn today at uh, or this Saturday, rather, at home in Sanford Stadium. All right, I needed to start with the Braves, um, and as the postseason gets underway tomorrow on Friday, you'll get the four uh, wild card games all going underway. Sort of raising Guardians at noon. Dear Lord, noon baseball, uh, playoff baseball at noon, and then you get Phillies Cardinals at two o'clock. You get Mariners Jays at four, and, and Padres Mets at eight o'clock on Friday night. You know, uh, I heard some talk going around uh, Atlanta sports radio yesterday in reference to. Um, who the Braves should want to face in the NLDS. Now, the way baseball sets it up is all jacked up. I fully admit that. as It's 2022. Why do we not reseed in every single playoffs? I think it's absolutely ridiculous, but that's a whole different conversation. Nonetheless, the Braves will get the winner of St. Louis and Philadelphia. Now, if you look objectively on the surface and you just kind of look at the standings and you know, who scored more runs or who had a better pitching staff, all those things. You could sit there and you could tell me, well, St. Louis won more games. That's 93. Um, they scored more runs, 772 to 747. They gave up less runs, 637 to 685. Uh, you probably don't want to face the 93-win team. You should probably take the 87-win team. Well, you're a fool. Um, you do not want to see the Philadelphia Phillies. And the proof is in the numbers 100%. And it is absolutely – uh, it's it's delineating how much you'd rather face the Cardinals than the Phillies. Uh, and for my colleagues in in local radio who didn't do the research, shame on you. But uh, alas, folks, I am here to have done the research for you. Let's just look at the numbers across the board. Okay, here we go. Um, bottom line here is you want to see the Cardinals. Why? Let's just look at the season series offensively. In head-to-head matchups, Atlanta won the season series with Philadelphia. They won the season series with St. Louis. In the season series against Philadelphia, Atlanta averaged 4.6 runs per game. Philly averaged 4.5, right on their heels. In the season series against St. Louis, Atlanta won the series 4-3. They scored 5.2 runs per game and gave up just 3.2 runs per game. But that said... We all know that pitching is one, or pitching is what wins in the postseason. So let's take a look at some of the pitching numbers, shall we? If we all can agree that Freed, Strider, Wright, and Morton will start at some point, right? Um, if they go to five games, you know, again, you might get your game, you'll get your game one starter to come back in game five. But you have to believe in some order, Freed, Strider, Wright, and Morton 
uh, should all end up seeing a start. That said, if you look at Strider individually, and we'll look at Strider and Morton first. Why? Because they're simple. Strider's been virtually unhittable against everybody. The numbers are negligible against both teams. It doesn't matter. Nobody's touching the guy. We're talking about so low numbers that it's like, oh, the batting average against is 120 versus 133. Like, it's not even worth dissecting at this point. You're splitting hairs. And in fact, Charlie Morton's the exact opposite. He's been banged around by both teams this year and his entire career. The numbers are bad. He's got a five ERA against Philly. He's got a seven ERA against St. Louis in his career. So there's no reason to dissect them there. You take those two guys off the table. So let's look at the other two, Freed and Wright. And both of their career stats against these teams mirror their 2022 stats against these teams. So I went with the career numbers overall. Freed versus Philadelphia in his career, four and four. 3.74 3.74 ERA, 1.33 whip. Opposing batters are batting 261 against them, and the OPS that they're hitting against them is 768. Let's take a look at his numbers against St. Louis. 4 0, undefeated in his career. ERA, 0.34. Uh, his whip, 0.86. Batting average against 169, and OPS against 439. It's clear Freed is much better against St. Louis than he is against Philly. Why would you want your ace to go against Philly that can beat him versus St. Louis that can't? Let's look at Kyle Wright in his career against Philly, two and three. 3.86 ERA, 1.02 whip, batting average against 1.52, and OPS 623. Now, Right against St. Louis in his career. He's only faced him one time, and it was this year. 0-0, 0 EOA, 1 whip, batting average 200, and OPS 478. You can't make that much of that, but the numbers are there. Folks, you want no part of the Philadelphia. Like, why would you want the Philadelphia Phillies to be any part of your postseason run? There's literally no reason to bring the Philadelphia Phillies into the equation. It's a division foe. They know you the best. They've seen you the most. It becomes a coin flip scenario against the Phillies. You want to see the Cardinals. I heard yesterday. <laughs> oh, God. I don't want no part of the Pujols, Wainwright, Yadier Molina retirement tour. What? 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 Really? Just look at the numbers, folks. Baseball's a numbers game. 162 always wins out. 162 always wins out. And and if you don't think it does, well, I can't help you because you want to face the St. Louis Cardinals. They're an easier team to beat. And part of the reason why their numbers this year overall, like I talked about how many more more runs they've scored versus how many uh, runs they've given up, they play in a much worse division. Despite the fact how bad the Miami Marlins were, they only have a negative run differential of 90. Okay. So you have three competitive teams at the top of the NL, a competitive team in the Marlins. Yes, the Nationals were really, really bad. But guess what? The Pittsburgh Pirates and Cincinnati Reds and Chicago Cubs were all worse. They only had one real team to to play around with, and that was Milwaukee, and they weren't very good at all. So St. Louis didn't have any real competition. And playing 70-some-on games against nearly half your schedule against those four teams means you're going to win a lot more than you lose. Don't be fooled by the Cardinals record. They're a worse team than the Phillies. And you want no part of seeing the Phillies in the first round of, or at least the NLDS in the National League playoffs. Numbers are right there, folks. It's not hard research. You just got to do it. You you just got to look for it. You absolutely want the Braves to take on 
the St. Louis Cardinals and not the the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, Falcons are going to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, We'll get to that in just a moment. First, a word from our friends at BetOnline.net, the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your sports betting needs. Find your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, college football, obviously NFL, all coming up this weekend. you got Major League Baseball starting their playoffs. There's great information there as well. You have NBA and NHL coming up right around the corner. You get combat sports, esports, even golf. It's all right there. On Bet Online is there the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting scores, podcasts, which have a ton of information. They've got you covered. Head to Bet Online today to use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. Bet Online, where the game starts. All right. We go from the Falcons to the Braves. Let's welcome in the one, the only, from Locked On Falcons. If you're watching us on Roku TV or on YouTube, there's his face. He is Aaron Freeman. Oh, there we go. Now we got both of us together here on A to Z. Aaron, good morning. Welcome, brother. I appreciate you having me, Mark. Love talking about the Falcons. Ah, yes, I know you do. All right, two and two Falcons team. Let's just look at this big picture. If I told you before the season started, they were going to be two and two uh, after their first four games. Didn't matter who they beat. Didn't matter who they lost to. Would you have said, yes, I'll take it? Yes, I'll take it. Yeah. Okay. At least we're, we're under that assumption. I'm, I'm people crying about they could have been three and one. I'm like, stop, stop. Everybody could be zero and four, and everybody could be four and zero at this point. Well, so. that's, there's a certain amount of truth to that, 100. percent But that all said, uh, if I would have told you that the Falcons would have had the fourth best rushing attack in the NFL prior to the season, you would have asked me, well, who did they rob from another team to get there? Right? I mean, this is probably the most shocking development of anything. And look, it'll go under the radar across NFL circles nationally, but this is like one of the more shocking developments this year that the Falcons actually have a rushing attack after being putrid for the last four years in that department. Yeah, that was that was the big reason why I was not that optimistic because it just it was unfathomable to me that they could go from a bottom five rushing team to a top five rushing team. I was like, okay, maybe they can get in the high twenties, maybe get the twenty first, twentieth, or something like that as a rushing football team. Um, but like you're seeing from this team, the sort of the secret of Arthur Smith's success is, is running the football. If they can run the football, control the clock, control the line of scrimmage, it puts their offense and their passing game into manageable situations. And even occasionally Marcus Mariota can't even mess those up. Yeah. And it's interesting because I keep trying to pry and prod Arthur Smith to applaud the, the, you know, leaps and bounds that they've made, but he keeps remembering, well, we made progress last year. You guys just didn't see it. No, we didn't see it because the numbers didn't show it. I'm glad that it showed it on tape for you. You had some good blocking there, but you know, if the guy doesn't get more than two yards past the line of scrimmage, most people would tell you it's not a very successful running play, but still I keep going back to Aaron and I can't get off this and I keep hammering this into my audience. You guys have no idea how smart Arthur Smith is. He is literally a walking chess match and he's ahead of every other coach that he goes up against. And it's so impressive to watch if you ask me. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I spent a lot of last year complaining about Arthur Smith because the expectations were pretty high uh, from me and, and other people that, you know, we were getting one of the, the top offensive coordinators in the league. The thing that he's so successful at was running the football, red zone stuff, uh, utilizing the play action. And we just didn't quite see it come to fruition last year. And it feels like all the things that we were expecting a year ago. Uh, with that team are now coming to fruition this year. And so I have nothing but positive things to say about Arthur Smith in 2022. Yeah. And again, I mean, I, uh, I just can't get over, you know, when you run the ball 14 consecutive times and it's not like you got dropped for a loss 
You know, like you had net positive plays. You run it 14 times in a row against a very talented, but yeah, I mean, listen, Cleveland was banged up, but still, that's a more talented roster from A to Z. Uh, see what I did there, A to Z. Um, you know, to me, that says that, and Arthur Smith even said it, you know, we did different schemes. We did different formations. We set things up differently. I mean, he's just really taking advantage of angles and things that the other teams don't see. And I, I that to me is just, it, it goes back to the whole premise. If Arthur Smith can make the Falcons two and two, and guys like Brian Dayball can make the Giants three and one, regardless of everything else, with those deficient rosters, you see where coaching matters. On the flip side, if Nathaniel Hackett and Cliff Kingsbury can't win with those rosters and those teams aren't three and one or four and oh, it says again, coaching matters. And that's why I, I just continue to applaud Arthur Smith and the job that he's done with this team because I don't think we're talking enough about it in this town. I think that's fair. I think that's definitely fair. I, I think they've added some new wrinkles to their running game. I think that's helped. I think um, you know, I was asked the other day sort of what's the cause of success because it's not as if like they completely overhauled their roster or anything like that. And I think some of the credit uh, has to go to their offensive line coach, Dwayne Ledford, uh, for coaching up the guys currently on the roster. And Dwayne Ledford had a reputation, at least at the collegiate level, that he was kind of the Alex Gibbs of that level, given his success implementing the zone blocking scheme and Falcon fans uh, that, you know, can go back a couple of years, can go back to Alex Gibbs and his success in Atlanta as well um, as in Denver during those Mike Shanahan years. And it feels like Dwayne Ledford has sort of translated that ability thus far in the NFL, giving his first opportunity to coach in the NFL, although he was a former NFL player. So I do think in addition to Arthur Smith, you know, that speaks to the coaching that this team is getting this year. Yeah. Uh, Chris, Chris Morgan, may he, his coaching career here in Atlanta, rest in peace. Uh, it was an awful experiment. Uh, nonetheless, all right, let's flip it over to the defensive side of the ball because this is where I think uh, we're going to see some problems this week uh, against Tampa. Uh, for the record, I am loving the over in this game. This is going over 48 with, without question, in my opinion. Um, and it's mostly going to go over because Tampa's offense is back. Like I, don't, I think it got underscored last week because they were chasing Kansas City the whole game, but they're getting healthier. They're getting guys back. Um, should A.J. Terrell, who had a fantastic game last week, before the wheels looked like they were coming off the wagons after the first two weeks here, uh, but the last two weeks it's like, hey, A.J.'s back, uh, especially what he did to Amari Cooper because I think that was a big part of why they won that game, were able to keep Cleveland uh, out of the end zone was because of him. But should he shadow Mike Evans across the entire field? Because I say yes. I mean, I, I want to see it. Uh, when you go back to A.J. Terrell's rookie season, there was a three-game stretch uh, in late in that year where they asked him to shadow in the third game came against Tampa Bay um, and Mike Evans kind of cooked him in that game. He had a, a couple of big catches in the third quarter after the Falcons had gone up big at halftime and that allowed the Bucks to come back. And basically the Falcons after that third quarter where AJ gave up three big catches to Mike, to, uh, Mike Evans and then uh, got a pass interference. They basically said no Moss. Uh, in, in terms of that, and he stopped being a shadow corner for the remainder of that season uh, in the fourth quarter of that Bucks game, and then we didn't see it in, ten, uh, in 2021, and now you're, he's back to it. So I want to see if he's at the point where he can go up against the guy that basically you know, ended his, <laughs> ended his shadow corner career as a rookie uh, very early. So we, we've seen A.J. Terrell, we've seen him struggle against some of the bigger receivers, the more physical, going back to that Mike Evans, Michael Thomas. You go back to his college tape against Jamar Chase, uh, the more physical wide receiver. So this is going to be a challenge for A.J. Terrell, but I want to see if he's up for that challenge. And so I would like to see it. 
Why'd you have to bring up that national championship game? I was on Clemson that night. Okay. Did did Clemson and the points couldn't get there. Thanks. Thanks, AJ. Uh, anyway, but I will say this much. He's in a different defense now than he was in year one. Um, and so may, maybe that has something to do with it. But, you know, I, I still feel like this defense is uh, susceptible to being beat. I mean, you have to be objective about this, right? I mean, you faced Jameis Winston, Geno Smith. Uh, uh, last week it was Jacoby Brissett, and who am I forgetting in there? Stafford. Um, yeah, okay. Matt Stafford was the only legitimate quarterback you faced, right? And that game you were down 28 nothing in a blink of an eye, or 28-3 in a blink of an eye. So you're going to face a real quarterback this week. And, and I think that's where we may start to see some problems defensively. Look, they've been good. They've held their own. Um, but I question mostly in the past game how much they're going to be able to hold up against legitimate quarterbacking. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing with the Bucks under Brady, these last four times they've faced them, the Bucks have put up an average of 38 points against this defense. And a lot of it has basically been because they can't pressure Tom Brady and you're not going to blitz Tom Brady because he's going to see it coming and he's going to pick it apart. So you kind of have to rely on four-man pressures and hope that your guys on the back end can hold up. And with healthy, you know, Mike Evans and Gronk and and uh, Godwin and all these guys the last couple of years, the Falcons just haven't had enough playmakers on the back end to really cover uh, those guys. Given that the Bucks are you know, a little bit injury depleted at that receiver position, uh, the tight end is not as big a part of their offense. You feel a little bit better about the Falcons' ability to match up there, especially if A.J. Terrell can sort of neutralize Mike Evans in this game. And so it really boils down to this front four being able to get pressure. We know the Bucks, the biggest weakness up front is on the interior, and that's kind of the strength of the Falcons pass rush with Grady Jarrett being able to make some of these plays, particularly late in games uh, at critical moments to get pressure and help this he defense a, out. He was a beast against Cleveland late. And that's, a, that's, a, that's an all-pro guard in Betonio that he went up against. I don't know if you saw Brian Baldinger did an amazing breakdown of it on uh, on Twitter, but, uh, I mean, yeah, he just he was fantastic. Yeah, and so like you feel better about this defense's ability to match up against this Bucks team as opposed to previous Bucks teams. So it's really going to boil down to that front four being able to get pressure. And Grady Jarrett again taking over this game in the similar ways that he's done late uh, against some of these previous opponents. Because without that, like Brady's just going to be able to pick you apart. We're going to find out how soft the middle of this defense is with the linebacking core. I think against this game against Tampa Bay, because if I am. Tampa Bay, that's where I'm looking to pick it apart, um, is find the middle of the field and see if these linebackers can cover guys. Um, and, and Russell Gage could have a fairly big day. We'll see, depending on how they decide to go with coverage. Uh, Marcus Mariota, uh, I said earlier this week, Aaron, um, put to bed the idea that Desmond Ritter is going to play barring an injury. Um, and I, you, you know me, I was advocating from day one. You know, play the kid, find out what you have, you know, get him in there. Said week eight against the Panthers. I mean, there's no reason to believe. Barring a four-game losing streak where Mariota's play is so terrible uh, and he's turning the ball over at such a rate, you know, um, that it is it is costing team games. I don't know that Arthur Smith is going to move off him at this point. Is, is it too early to make that call? Uh, I feel like it's a little too early. I, I think we kind of need to see what this team is over this next three-game stretch because if they, they lose, drop these three games and Mariota struggles, right? Like this is something I talked about on Locked on Falcons is the teams coming up, uh, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, 
and Cincinnati all have good defenses based off of how they played so far this season. And they're going to want to force the Falcons to play left-handed, right? The, the way that the Falcons want to play, they want to run the football, right? We've talked about that already on today's episode. Uh, but if they can stop the run and then force the to win, that's going to put the onus on Marcus Mariota. And if he's not up for that challenge, then, you know, I do think there is an argument in a case to be made that maybe an, an, Again, it's surprising to say this about a rookie quarterback, but maybe you can make a case that maybe Desmond Ritter might be up for that challenge. And so once we get, you know, a month from now, I do think that could be a real conversation, but a lot of it depends on these next three games. I mean, uh, you know, the only thing I would say that more than anything, for, I know Butterfingers can't hold on to the football and it's, it's kind of frustrating and annoying. To me, um, the inaccuracy is driving me bonkers. I mean, and I'm not talking necessarily about, you know, you could say the pickoff, uh, the interception last week with Drake. There might be an argument he might have, you know, cut the route wrong or or didn't cut it off hard enough and, and Denzel Ward was in good position. But I'm talking about actually the ones that get completed, where the receiver has to put on the brakes to wait for the ball to get there, or it's just not in the right spot where he can turn up field and go. It's those little things that separate good quarterbacks from great quarterbacks. And I'm not asking Marcus Mariota to be great per se, because I know he's not going to be. But to me, it's those missed opportunities that drive me absolutely nuts with him more than anything else. Like accuracy in a quarterback is such an underrated trait. We look at completion percentage and go, oh, he's completing a lot of passes. And Marcus Mariota is completing more passes at this rate under Arthur Smith than he has at any point in his career, save a, a short stretch back in, I think it was 2018 or 2019. But you know, uh, it's still, it feels like they're missing opportunities because of his inaccuracy. Yeah. I think the thing with Mariota for me is you want, you like, you're not expecting him to, to be this super pre- precise, efficient quarterback, right? Like you want the big plays. That's really the, the strength of Mariota's game. And, and you saw sprinkles of that against the Browns where he was able to break outside the pocket had a big play to Parker Hesse that set up that Cordero Patterson score had a big play to OZ in the fourth quarter uh, where he can break outside the pocket, but you want him to hit those throws. You want him to hit the deep ball to Demir bird, those types of plays missing to Kyle Pitts on the opening drive against Seattle. If he can hit those plays, then you can live with the inconsistency. You know, I I call it the Mariota coaster where you have the peaks and the valleys, right? Like you can live with the the valleys if you're getting those peak plays, those big time explosive plays that are really enhancing this passing attack uh, because you want to have the running game is the sort of the foundation of this team it brings the consistency, keeps this offense on schedule. And then when defenses are keying on that run, if you can hit them over the top with those big plays and those sort of off structure plays where he breaks contain outside the pocket, like that's basically going to break the back of defenses. And that's the thing that Mariota does legitimately bring to the table. He just needs to be a little bit more consistent hitting those plays. Aaron Freeman, Locked On Falcons. Make sure you check him out on Locked On Sports Atlanta Network. Free free wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube and, of course, Roku TV. Thanks for the time today, brother. Appreciate it. Uh, We'll look forward to another game on Sunday, but certainly thanks for stopping by. Absolutely. Anytime, Mark. All right. uh, Before we get to Shovels of Wisdom, I want to ask you guys if you have tried Puffs built bars yet why because they are absolutely amazing there's a box sitting in my pantry right now favorite snack food to go get light delicious covered in 100 chocolate and guess what built bar puffs are delicious and good for you newest flavor out there cookie dough chunk that's right puffs has done it again Light and texture, light and uh, chewy. Like I told you, the texture is fantastic. 160 calories, 15 grams of protein. The cookie dough chunk puffs have real 
chunks of cookie dough in them. They taste delicious. Go to built.com self or share them with the entire family. But built bars, guys, are the greatest snack in the world because it's like one of those things in between meals. If you want something to eat real quick, it's perfect. Maybe late at night, you don't want to stuff yourself, but you got that craving for something sweet or something to eat. Go ahead and get built bars, get cookie dough chunk puffs bars as well. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON15. Again, built.com, promo code LOCK15. You'll get 15% off your first order. Now time for Shovels of Wisdom. Brace yourselves because it's time for the Shovel of Wisdom. You know how we do it every day. We got to correct somebody for saying or doing something stupid. You can do it right here. On my Twitter account, at Mark Zeno, use the hashtag locked on. Use the hashtag, sorry, shovel of wisdom <laughs> on Twitter at locked on ATL as well as I uh, stumble over myself. Maybe shovel right there for myself. But um, today, my shovel is going to go to the protester who ran on the field during Monday Night Football. Well, we don't have his name yet. Why don't we have his name yet? Uh, because typically, you know, if, I'm sure you could find it if it's online. He's been arrested if he was arrested. But nonetheless, the, uh, the protester uh, who was tackled by the Rams, Bobby Wagner, if you've seen this online, it's fantastic. Um, thank you, Bobby Wagner. And actually, a name you might know, uh, Tack McKinley ran out towards the person, and then Wagner was able to step in and knock him down with a big hit. Well, this jack wagon who ran on the field, who is an activist for the Berkeley, California-based animal rights group Direct Action Everywhere, who is trying to raise awareness for a trial involving the alleged theft of pigs from a factory farm. Oh, dear Lord. Anyway, uh, he is suing Bobby Wagner. Filed charges against him. um, And the Santa Clara Police Department won't comment on it because it's an active investigation. So information will be limited. But they say that he has made a police report against Bobby Wagner trying to file charges against him for tackling his ass. A dummy. Don't run on the field. You don't belong there. You know what you can't do? Protest on private property. You know what you can't do? Protest on government property. That's called trespassing. It's illegal. It's against the law. You do it on public property, not private property, dopey. I mean, we're actually going to give credence to this jackhole for running on the field. Good. I hope you you get laid out again. Ridiculous. Anyway. Let's move on. Uh, Georgia, Auburn, Saturday, Sanford Stadium. A lot of questions about Georgia and the way that they've played as of late. I think I told you earlier in the week, and I'm here to tell you again, because the more I look at this, I'm just going to tell you to relax. Um, Georgia's not going to be in danger of losing this game. I don't think anybody thinks that. I don't think anybody's worried about that per se. But what you'd like to see is them just play a better brand of football. Yeah, we'd all like to see that. Um And I think it's very much possible for them to do so. I expect them to start better. I expect them to start cleaner. In fact, I also would expect them to go back to their roots a little bit and start running the football against an Auburn defense that, well, frankly, isn't very good. Uh, I expect Georgia to try to take advantage of – Auburn, you know, and you get look. They get the three thirty window. They get the CBS game. Um, this is a a uh, Auburn defense that allows you know one hundred and forty rushing yards per game. Uh, I would lean into that 
I know Stetson Bennett's been great so far, and the Georgia offense is averaging 342 yards passing per game. But, you know, wear this team down as quick as you can. Um, there won't be a lot of running lanes for Tank Bigsby, the running back for Auburn. So I think you're good at that. They've made the change at quarterback now uh, from TJ Finley to Robbie Ashford, and, and he's been better. I mean, last last week, Auburn, uh, in the loss to LSU, outgained LSU by quite a big amount. So uh, it was a game they should have lost. Auburn's also in their first road game of the year. They're starting a schedule of four straight games that should absolutely kick the snot out of them. Um, and this is a team right now that may be three and six when it's all said and done uh, over the course of the next four weeks. But, you know, uh, I wouldn't worry too much about Georgia at this point. I've also held to the maximum to survive in advance for them. Uh, they only have to worry about one team, really, and that's Alabama. Um, I mean, obviously, Kentucky and Tennessee will give them some challenges, but Georgia's good enough to defeat them. So uh, I, I look for Georgia to really recap and and, and come back this weekend uh, and look like the team that they did against Oregon and in the first, uh, you know, three weeks of the season. All right, that'll do it for us here on A to Z. Locked on Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast search, Locked on Sports Atlanta. Again, don't forget we're on Roku TV. Download that Roku TV app on your Amazon Fire Stick, wherever you can get it. Check out all the great shows here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Back tomorrow for a football Friday. Hope you'll join me then. You guys have a wonderful Thursday. Don't take any crap from anybody. See you.